The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Assalamu alaikum and a very good morning to you. It's 10 o'clock exactly, Monday 11th of March and it's Shamiza taking all the way to 12 o'clock on where else it's the urban cube bringing you some faith inspired creativity and positive action as always on a show that's fast paced quirky with lots of conversations with some awesome creatives across um locally and nationally this morning uh it's an absolute pleasure to be in your company do tell me where you're going to be listening in from this morning we are going live and direct across the Luton surrounding areas peterborough sheffield and nottingham this morning and we are facebook live and we get to see our awesome guest in the studio right now. It is no other than Nabiha Parker, who is a mainstream journalist, passionate about community news, and we're going to be finding out her creative journey this morning as well, inshallah, and getting you guys involved as well. So, a massive big salams to the wonderful Nabiha. Assalamu alaikum. It's an absolute pleasure to be in your company. Now, I do understand <laughs> it's role reversal. Normally, you're on the other side. Yes, for me, I think this is the first time that I've actually been I'm being interviewed usually I'm on the other side I'm the one interviewing somebody else finding out their story so yeah it's definitely role reversal for me today wow and I'm a little bit nervous because you're, you're like the pro and I'm just like still amateur learning no, please learning don't the ropes. be nervous <laughs> um, but you know what's super super cool is like you have this relationship with Radio Ramadan you were telling me about yeah. your journey um, and when you were little when you were a wee little yeah. ass <laughs> tell us uh, how, how do you know about Radio Ramadan yeah, so, um, so I grew up not too far from from Luton and a lot of my family a lot of my family friends uh, live in the local area so mm. I do remember when Inspire FM was, wasn't quite yet Inspire FM um, and it used to be the yearly monthly Ramadan, F- Ramadan radio um, and my mum was just one of those, she loved tuning into local radio because there is something about local radio where you're, you're right there in the community that's quite different to maybe national news or national newspapers um, so yeah it was something that I remember having on <laughs> during that month every year. I, that's super super cute and um, you know Radio Ramadan the original concept has always kind of has great memories with many Mm. many families and um, so do you think that was your first introduction to the media maybe because Uh, it's not just journalism it's also radio that you've had quite a vast um, experience in. Yeah I think um, it was one of the first it might have not been the first because I do remember so my parents have always been kind of into news into current affairs right. keeping up with everything and I remember they would always have on whether the, it was the 6 o'clock news or the 10 mm. o'clock news right. and I would always kind of be so bored when they would be watching it but mm. I'd always look at the news readers I'd always see the reporters who were on there and I'd always think why do none of them look like me or like oh. why do none of them sound like me and I think that was probably my first kind of encounter with the media thinking why is it always people that look really different or you know nobody that's got my skin color or nobody that's wearing a hijab um and then I remember hearing Ramadan radio and I thought okay that's a lot more closer to what I look like and what I sound like but it's still it was so niche because it's very Islamic and it was very Mm -hmm. based on the month of Ramadan so it was kind of the two extremes on the one side and I kind of felt in the middle okay well I want to be in the news this news environment but kind of a bit of both Wow, wow. And that is exactly what you've been doing, a bit of both. And the Mm. bit of both is the key word I'm going to use today because last Monday, folks, I wasn't on air. I do apologise. I wasn't chilling. I was actually working and it was radio related and it had something to do with Nabiha because I had the pleasure of joining Nabiha and many other women across the three counties. There's something called the 50-50 
project which is also all about bringing things together and especially yeah. gender equality in um, the space of news tell us a little bit more about this yeah. project that you you initiated or part of Nabiha yeah so um, I can't take credit for it unfortunately yeah. so um, for people who might not know I do work for BBC mm-hmm. um, and I work for BBC Look East which kind of covers Bedfordshire and Northamptonshire Cambridgeshire area so across the BBC nationally this 50-50 project it's been brought in because um, I'm sure a lot of people kind of know the media can be quite swayed in terms of it's often a male-centric voice that's being heard or being portrayed so this 50-50 project was brought in about I think about a year ago a year to 18 months ago um, and it's nationwide and it's just to try to involve more women in the whole process of media output so whether that's in producing the news or whether that's in contributing or whether that's just in finding out more so whether it's the stories that the BBC wants to tell or whether it's you know the people that we want involved in those stories we're trying to get to a point where we are completely gender balanced in rep- in our representation and that is gender specific there are other projects going on for kind of you know different um, different balances but the 50-50 in particular is aimed at um, a gender yeah, a gender balance, which yeah. is still greatly required, and it was in the just um, sort of the startup to International Women's Day or week or month or year <laughs> or just but a eternity. That's what we need to make it. Um, and it was an absolute pleasure to be surrounded by such um, talented. Sp- women in their specialism which was really really quite um, inspiring and um, so thank you for making that project happen and I hope uh, you actually enjoyed it I did I did really enjoy it enjoy it especially the fact that we get to see the other side of the camera and what is on the other side you get to see the studio and it's not as 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 scary as it looks it was actually quite a nice intimate space and everybody was very jolly and not when when I think of the media and I think of newsrooms I think of blood pressure you know a really really quite um fast-paced environment lots of lots of scary voices and shouting and And it was very mellow it was very mellow i really like that and it was so nice to see people smiling they do smile as well folks (laughs) and nabila you have a tremendous smile and what's really quite lovely is the fact that you do look as if you're enjoying your work Mm. um you you seem not just passionate but seem very very quite content in the space that you're in so that kind of reassures me that as when we look at um we look at the media or we look at commentary around the media when it comes to muslim women in hijab getting them getting themselves heard you my impression from you is that it's not as hard as it looks i mean i hope that's what what i'm kind of pushing across the thing is everybody can be so quick to criticize okay Mm -hmm. the media doesn't do this or the Mm -hmm. media doesn't do that or you know they're not telling my story or you Mm -hmm. know they're 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 talking about women in this way or Mm -hmm. they're talking about muslims in this way Mm -hmm. and for me it's kind of okay if i want to change that rhetoric or i want to change how people think i i can do it i just have to put the work in and i have to get to those spaces that are making that so how comes it's it's been easy for you because i mean this rhetoric is real it's Mm. not something that's been made up it's been going on for a good number of years now getting a little bit tiresome now and a bit (laughs) irksome where we're constantly um you know uh, muslim women the way they dress Mm. what their you know their levels of success is all under the stethoscope more than any type of woman i've ever come across um but we're slaying an 
our lane, ladies. <laughs> we are totally rocking everything that we're doing. Mashallah, mashallah. Because today's show is about celebrating um, uh, women, mashallah, and it's also International Women's Day. So I'm rolling it over, and that's why Nabiha has joined me this this morning because I do find her extraordinarily talented, <laughs> oh, and you. she's really, really um, trailblazing at the moment. So thank you, Nabiha, for joining it's me fine. this morning, sharing me, sharing with me your journey in the hope that we're going to get a lot more women coming through representing the stories that need to be heard and yeah. need to be seen and, and not stereotypical yeah no and I think if if kind of if I'm one person that somebody listening to the radio or somebody who sees me on Look East can think okay if she can do it why yeah. can't I do it that's the exact point that I want to make is that if you're going to hold yourself back then right. you can't expect to be going anywhere you've just got to kind of push there are going to be barriers no matter what race you are no matter what religion you are or gender you are there's always going to be a barrier where someone's going to say you can't do that because you look this way I mean I right. I had my journey wasn't easy it looks easy now because I've kind of gotten to a space where I'm happy with what I'm doing but I had people from my own community who would say you're not going to be on tv wearing that on your head or you're not they're not going to put you on camera you know you're brown wow. you're muslim like people that knew me people that didn't know me I would have it from mm -hmm. everywhere people saying there's no way you're going to be able to do that or even if I just kind of said you know oh it would be my dream to work for BBC I would have people laugh in my face like genuinely right. laughing in my face so it's just kind of if someone's going to hold you back you've got to just got to yeah. just push through it but could you understand why though I can because the whole point why I wanted to get into journalism because mm -hmm. I didn't see anybody that looked right. like me so when right. people said to me they're not going to put uh, you on camera because right. you've got brown skin I it would have been very easy for me to have just believed that and to have just stopped I could have it could have affected me really badly to the point but where we, I just we didn't have do it. had some very inspiring role models, Marshall on Channel Four News. Yes, um, and I've got to I've got to Google the names. <laughs> this is so bad. I should know them rolling off my head. People, if you know, do tell me. Get involved with the show this morning. It is oh seven 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 nine four eight one eight two two. You are listening to the Urban Cube with myself, Shamiz Rashid, and the very awesome Nabiha Parker, who is a mainstream journalist extraordinaire, joining us this morning to share her journey um, through journalism and actually. She works as part of the Look East um, news department. Um, is it a department? What do we call yeah, it? Yeah, so we call it the region. Regions. So um, you kind of have national news, which uh -huh. comes out of London and Manchester. And then uh, the BBC has uh, regional offices. Uh -huh. um, so we have Look East, which covers the east of England. Uh -huh. um, and then uh, we've got, you kind of have the south, which will cover kind of Cornwall. You've got north, Look North. So many different regions that then get localised news for those kind of counties that they cover. Fantastic. And you've had... You've shared some local news of late. Um, in particular, one of the stories that um, I found out more about you from was the 22 Seconds to Murder event, yeah. which was uh, organised by Halima Ali. This was an event that was highlighting the dangers of knife crime and actually making sure that more awareness is raised in the community. Since then, that um, it, we're seeing a lot more news coverage on knife crime and, and how to tackle it because a problem is not going to go away and in the ways in which we need to kind of um, really rethink on how to kind of change ch and just change what's going on mm. which is awful um, your experience of that that event going down Nabiha and actually um, interviewing the, the young people that are involved um, what did you think of the actual event overall? You know Luton is actually a really special place when it comes to things like that like I remember filming that day and speaking to everyone who was involved not just Talim Ali mm. but there were young rappers there mm. were young artists there mm. were so many local young people doing amazing things and I remember walking away thinking 
knife crime is such a tragic mm. horrific thing for anybody to go yeah. through and it's something that unfortunately in some places some pockets around the country it is more prevalent but there's people who are young enough to be victim to that thing but they're almost rising above it yeah. so um there was a young boy who um he'd kind of created a rap mm-hmm. about knife crime and it was so creative so original and there were young artists there and by young I don't mean kind of teenager I mean there were teenagers as well but Mm -hmm. going all the way up to kind of mid-20s early 30s people who were just turning something that could be very negative into something a whole lot more positive and that was the wonderful thing to see the fact that young people were coming together and actually empowering their voices through the means of art for social action and um and i hope we see more of that knife crime isn't going away um and it has it's it's been the talk in all the news uh, of late and and it's very interesting that i'm coming across stories where we have um one father who's actually asked inviting young people to kind of swap knife the knife for vouchers for sports vouchers in a means of kind of you know one way of reaching out um and and i found that quite innovative Mm. um so yeah so many different measures in doing so i mean what's your thoughts on like how to tackle this issue is this is it are we able to tackle it i think we are but i think it's a lot deeper than kind of just trying to throw away knives Mm. or just Mm. trying to tell kids don't Mm. use knives it's something that society as a whole has so much more work to do with because it's why are kids in the first place Mm. feeling they've even got to carry something with them why are they walking on the street why are they scared or why are they feeling that they could be threatened at any Mm. moment um and i think that's so much deeper and that's something that's going to have to go back to family life education what is society handing to them kind of you Mm. know post-education what are they going to be able to do with their lives and the economy it's got a whole load of repercussions so so many things so many issues and factors is to take on board far too many but I, I really hope that we are now we are addressing the issue we're, we're talking about it we're also enabling young people to actually take the lead yeah take the lead on what they want because it is impacting it's them that are being impacted and I think what's happened is kind of like crossed over we, we assumed it was one part of society but it's actually mm. impacting the whole of society yeah. um, unfortunately folks if you've just tuned in you are listening to the Urban Cube with Misha Miser and Nabiha this morning <laughs> um, it is 10.14 and Monday 11th of March it is a very very interesting day this morning. I mean, yesterday I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away by the wind, literally, and I knocked the back of my head. So please do save, stay safe out there. Um, do tread carefully. This morning the sun is really, really um, bright, mashallah, but it's slightly still a little bit chilly. Um, um, it's a bit of a cold start. With oh, we're going to see periods of sunshine with small chance of a morning shower, um, and the sunshine will turn hazy this afternoon with brisk winds easing down it's about highs to nine um, degrees this morning um on the show today we're talking about everything and anything as always because this is what the urban cube show is all about people you can join in with any of the conversations this morning on 07779481822 we are talking also about world book day and international women's day we're we're fusing the two together because i didn't have a show last week so I'm rolling it over this week um, and keeping those conversations going 
wanted to kind of ask you guys as well because it, we are celebrating um, uh, Muslim History Month. Is there a woman in Islam historically that has impacted your life? Um, I would love to find out from you uh, who are the women from Islamic history or just generally women in your life have kind of made a difference um, to you. Would love to hear from you. And I'm also asking the question, guys, um, if there was a book title, a book title to reflect you and your personality, what would you title the book? I'd like to find out. And how you're going to do that is contact me on 07779481822. That is the number for the Urban Cube this morning. Now, I am joined by Nabiha, who is a um, mainstream journalist working on Look East. Um, it's a news programme, which I think a lot of you um, are very familiar with. I had the pleasure of going down and seeing uh, uh, seeing the studio, uh, courtesy of a pro- project called 5050 Project. And this was kind of enabling a gender equality, a gender balance across mainstream news and getting women to kind of contribute equally. And what was fabulous of that day is the number of women that came came together. And I felt like, and I was repping Luton. I was the only person (laughs) from Luton people. So there was a reason I needed to be there. So, um, which was absolutely wonderful uh, to see. So what do you hope, Nabiha? Um, Thank you for joining me this morning. Um, We'll come from the 50-50 project. Is it a one-off? I I hope not. I definitely hope not. Because from that day, I mean, you were there. There were so many women that were able to attend. Mm -hmm. And the whole aim is to kind of just break any barriers that Mm -hmm. somebody might have. If they're scared of going on radio, if they're scared of going on TV, if they have never done a live interview before. It was kind of just to break any stigma that they might have in their head and myth bust worries that they might be thinking about before they were asked to do something like that. Um, So I hope that we can have more open days like the one that you were able to attend to kind of just get women into a TV studio or into their local radio station Mm -hmm. to just have a look so that if they were ever approached that they would never feel that they can't do it because what I got from the day was so many women at the end felt I'd actually be really happy coming in and doing a TV interview. They were so good. They were were really up for it. Comfortable, yeah. sat there. I'm like, all right, move on now, love. Yeah. You've had your ten minutes. Move. Yeah. <laughs> they they wanted to, and I think that's a wonderful way of introducing mm. a space like that to make it less daunting. Because you don't have when you, um, I've worked on television, and I found that when we're bringing guests on in front on a live show, they don't really have an introduction. No. There's not. There's no. no time. So to be able to have that, that's a great thing, I think. Yeah. Um, so love to see more about it, um, more around it. Now, a question I want to ask you guys is: is how is is celebrating International Women's Day um, important? Yeah. What does it actually mean to you? Loads of questions I'm throwing at you. Hey, why not? It's Monday morning. You need waking up, people. <laughs> I do hope you've had a fantastic weekend and you're all motivated. You've got to be motivated for this show. Come on. All these wonderful questions um, I'm asking you. But, um, Nabiha, do you feel it's still relevant to have inter- uh, a day celebrating women? I do. I really, really do. I mean, although we are in 2019, mm-hmm. there's still so much more that I think needs to be done. And 
as it's kind of a hate love relationship that I think I've got with International Women's Day because it's great on Friday. I mean, when you see the messages going out on social yeah, media yeah. and you see everything in the news and it's kind of like women centric and people doing amazing things, it is really inspiring. But then at the same time, I feel like, why do we have to be marking a day? Right. In t- we're in 2019. Mm. Why does it take an international day for all these stories to come to the surface or for all these voices to be heard? And that's the thing, it's uh-huh. it's still so important because until we get to a point where those stories and those people are just being heard every day and, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're normal, I do still think we need that one day where people have all of their focus on women and the great things that are being done. And there are some tremendous things that are being done. And I'm going to be sharing those stories later on on the show where are, where women are really making their mark. And particularly Muslim women, mashallah. Muslim women as the face of a Marvel campaign. <laughs> Can you believe it? Yes. She was a guest on my show. Um, she is a lead in basketball, a poet, spoken word artist um, from up north. Bradford, uh, precisely, and she's actually a face of a Marvel campaign. That's I mean, that's, that is super, super awesome. Actually, Good for her. Good for totally, her. totally <laughs> awesome. You need to interview her. You yeah. need to get her on the east. <laughs> um, I'll be, you'll be finding out who that lovely lady is. And she's actually, she was one of the ladies that helped overturn the FIFA ban on hijabs in basketball. Wow. Do you know who that is, people? Mm, she's been a guest on the show twice. I do like these guests that I have and the amazing, amazing st- things that they do. So we're going to find out who that is. Um, but one one thing, one slogan that really stood out for me across International Women's Day, because you spoke about Nabiha, seeing loads of like on Twitter, the hashtags, yeah. was balance for better. Oh. I absolutely love that term, balance for better, because this is what it is about. It's about gender equality. It's it's kind of reminding people that work still needs to be done. There is still a lot of inequality where it, when it comes to um, pay, equal yeah. rights, educational rights, um, and we still need to keep that rolling. Now, I didn't realise that there was a gender pay gap until the Me Too movement arose oh, okay. and so you know that kind of educated me to understand oh my god gender pay gap is that for real is that actually is that, and that's still continuing so it's that's what i think um is quite significant for me is that reminder and um a wonderful wonderful uh quote on that i saw via muslim women connect that's a i don't know if you know yeah, about the muslim they're women a good page to yeah, follow yeah, yeah. They so they're yeah. an awesome awesome page to follow um and yeah those sisters are totally rocking it they were guests on the show too <laughs> just saying just saying okay but i've got to remember the names that i do they're like my besties and i forgot <laughs> it's too early in the morning um it's international women's day is not about celebrating women for just one day it's about recognizing that there's a lot of work to be done to dispel ma- myths surrounding what is meant to be a woman in this world and it's about bridging the gap that keeps this imbalance between us all balance for better what a wonderful mm-hmm. thing to say balance for better and i think what we've also got to remember is there's a lot of men supporting international women's day as well of course, yeah, and, yeah. and i think working together to initiate this um is a wonderful thing um on today's show we're also inviting you to tell us who who are the women that have made uh, who've inspired you um, be that in your everyday lives, be that the media or 
even Islamic history. Who has inspired you? Um, today we are celebrating International Women's Day, also Book Day, and any other day that you want as well, because it's National Nap Day as well, people. Um, if you want to have a nap. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we roll out all the information on this show. Um, Nabiha, Nap Day. I love it. Yeah? <laughs> it needs to be celebrated, yes. <laughs> Every day, all the time. Let's not wake up. <laughs> you know, if you want to snooze in the corner, you're allowed to today. <laughs> How do you balance your life? Because being a journalist in the mainstream, breaking those news stories, going out and reporting, um, finding, um, you know, interviewing people, it, it's, it's a very... It's, it, is it like a 24-hour day that you're doing? It, it kind of is. It can feel like that. But... The thing is, when you are really involved or you're really passionate about something, Mm -hmm. even if you're doing it in your free time, you don't really mind it. So um, in terms of my actual work schedule, I'm not working 24 hours um, a day, but my shifts can be quite long. They're usually 10 hour shifts. Um, And there is a need as a journalist to always want to be in the know. You're kind of a a nosy Parker. And I mean, I'm literally a nosy Parker. (laughs) Her name is Nabila Parker. (laughs) Um, So... I do always feel like I want to stay on top of things. But then if that's your interest, then that's what you do and you still enjoy it. But in terms of work-life balance, I mean, I think that's something that maybe I'm generalising, but a lot of women struggle with anyway, Mm -hmm. just because you're thinking of stuff to do at home. You're thinking of your family. You're thinking of your work. You're thinking of your career. You're thinking of of everything all at once. So um, I I would probably say in the last few months, I've gotten to a point where I know when it's the right time to kind of cut off Mm -hmm. and actually take time to just move away from work so when does that actually happen is that when you're you've got one eye open one <laughs> eye closed you, you, you you're slurring your words how does that actually happen um we will find out straight after the break we might have a little bit of a nap maybe but we're also going to be finding out food eating hacks in particular pineapple the pineapples have broken the internet people if you know what i'm talking about then you know if you don't then i'll share that information with you um i can't provide a practical experience or showcase but uh, but i can give you a detailed detail account on how to make pineapples easier to eat okay no, we're heading off to a break folks after the break i'm still joined by the very fabulous nabiha also catching up with some of your uh, messages inshallah so get messages okay i don't want to be reading empty whatsapps okay folks um and we'll be i'll be sharing with with you who else i'll be interviewing mashallah it is alicia sharif all the way from sheffield and she's an entrepreneur and a henna artist but with a twist so catch all the conversations straight after this and um, grab yourself a cuppa whilst you're waiting assalamualaikum this is atik malik here from the ask your lawyer show do you know your legal rights Do you have any questions about immigration law or need advice regarding employment law? Get your questions answered by a panel of experts on the Ask Your Lawyer show. Catch us every Monday from 7pm onwards, either on 105.1 FM or Facebook Live or on podcasts such as iTunes or Spotify. You can even tune in on the website as the show is on on www.ispirofm.org. a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Assalamu alaikum 
And a very good morning to you. It's 10.30 exactly, Monday 11th of March, and you're listening to me, Shamariza, on Where Else? It's the Urban Cube, of course. I hope you've had a fantastic weekend and having a great start to the week wherever you're listening in from. Do tell me where you're tuning in from this morning. Is it at work? Is it on the way to work? Or is it at home? Do share with me um, you, where you're tuning in from. And also, please join us with join in with any of the conversations that we're having on the show this morning. The show is going out live and direct to Peterborough, Sur- Peterborough, Sheffield and Nottingham this morning and also Luton surrounding areas. You can catch the repeat at 8pm this evening as well as Facebook Live. We are Facebook Live, guys, and we have the very tremendous Nabiha Parker as my guest in the studio this morning. A very very, very inspiring young lady and oh, she's God. helping me mark International Women's Day. Yes, International Women's Day. I'm rolling it over this week um, because every day is International Women's As Day. As we should, yes. As we should. Um, Nabiha is a, uh, a mainstream journalist, mashallah, who's actually working um with Lukeist. Now, you may recognise her face because she has been on camera on a number of occasions and she will continue to. So we have great pleasure of having her on the other side of the mic. Yes, and find, for once. <laughs> uh, and finding out a little bit more about her journalistic uh, uh, journey. So, assalamu alaikum, Nabiha. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you so much for staying with me. Now, that's a good sign. <laughs> you haven't dashed off. No. Even though you have such a busy schedule. Uh, but um, but it's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you join me this morning and to share your life as a journalist and not just any journalist you are actually working in mainstream media as a news broadcaster would I can I call yeah, you that? Yeah so um, the technical term would be broadcast journalist mm-hmm. because I do work for television so um, if you're working for papers then you'd kind of be an online journalist okay. or just journalist. so broadcast kind of covers television radio all that kind of fun uh, and you know what's interesting? You didn't really give away much in your bio. You're now telling me, and I'm like, that's the proper word. <laughs> so broadcast journalist. Yeah. So tell us, how did you your passion for journalism begin? So it definitely came from the fact that I couldn't see anybody that looked like me or sounded like me on television. Um, even nowadays, there are some journalists on screen or right. on radio who are Muslim, who are visibly Muslim wearing yes. hijab, but it's still quite rare. I mean, if you ask anybody at home to name somebody, it would still be quite difficult. And that's a question I'm going to ask you guys. Mm. Tell me, who have you seen um, on mainstream media, that uh, a, a Muslim uh, journalist or a sister in a hijab? Do tell us. We'd like to find out if you're observant enough. Now, I have given names away in the past, but I'm going to let you do the work this morning. Um, so, yeah, so it kind of... my idea of going into journalism kind of came from that and I'd say I probably knew quite early on maybe about 14 15 Mm -hmm. so I was still at school it was pre-GCSEs that I knew okay I definitely want to look into journalism it seems like it could be the career for me and honestly with whatever career anybody might be thinking of the best way to find out is just to try and get in there get in some work experience so um when I was on school holidays, I used to work for the local newspaper. I used to try and do shadowing at local radio stations. And pretty much all through school and university, I would just get any experience anywhere that I could. So, so you never sat still? No, I was just always like, go, 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 next opportunity. And and that's a 
brilliant skill mindset to have because if you don't then you're not going to get those opportunities and it yeah. is, is it about being persistent it's about being persistent it's about being patient and okay. it's about not giving up so okay. a lot of my friends or people who I now know who work in the media um, who might be white middle class mm. they already have family connections right. or they all, their parents know people okay. um, for me I was probably the first female Muslim in my family in my community that actually thought okay, this is what I want to do. So I was pretty much starting from scratch. So I had no contacts. So you've basically broken through on your own merit. I, I had to, I had to. Wow. There was no other way because if I was going to work in this industry mm-hmm. and I used to just hear, you've got to network, you've got to make contacts, you've got to know this person. It's all about who you know. Um, and the media in general is quite like that. So okay. I had to just put my email out there. I would. Mm-hmm. I remember I would be 16 and I'd be writing these really formal emails to national wow. newspapers saying, please, can I come do work experience? I mean, I got rejected a lot. Yeah. I got so many rejections. But did you get better at writing those emails? Yeah. Okay. And I got better at figuring out which were the right places okay. for the skill set that I had. So okay. being 16, not having any experience, trying to work for a national newspaper, I mean... There's a bit of a gap there where right. I should have maybe waited till I had a bit more experience. So I started to go more local and I realised, OK, for me to get into this, mm-hmm. I need to go somewhere that's close to home right. or I need to go somewhere where they can actually, they're actually going to benefit from an extra mm-hmm. pair of hands. So in bigger organisations, if you're young and you don't know exactly what you want or you don't have that much experience, it, you can get lost along the way do you think you can be taken advantage of because i think that's a great fear for a lot of parents like okay they'll go and do work experience but they'll be making tea and they're not going to be learning anything um i used to hear that a lot Uh i from teachers they used to say be careful kind of where you're applying for um i'm going to say though no okay i don't think there's a risk of that unless you let it be so if you're the kind of person that's going to walk into that office and you don't know what you want from it then people are just they don't have the time Uh to counsel you through what you want to do in your future so if there's anybody out there who's thinking about work experience or shadowing or for whatever career not just journalism go in there knowing what you want to get out of it so I would walk into a week's worth of work experience at a paper and I knew okay I need to get a story published or Mm. I need to be able to write something up that I will then have physical proof okay this is what I got out of it and by that I slowly would build up a portfolio and by doing that on a local scale it meant I could then go bigger so when I went to maybe a national paper or a bigger organization I could actually show them stuff that I'd already done and you were doing this pre social media uh, pre yeah, like in the Instagram yeah. pre and and because it's a completely different world now and it's a yeah. lot easier to connect with people and build your portfolio and network mm. and you don't look very old <laughs> right now either you still look like a mere you know just 16 martial <laughs> art very very fresh Thank and vibrant you. full of energy um may I just ask how old you are I'm 25 25 yeah Gosh. so I graduated wow. about two years ago just over two years ago and where ago. did you graduate from so the University of Leeds okay um so anyone who might even be considered journalism I didn't study journalism at all so even though I was doing all this work experience Mm -hmm. I was doing anything in my school holidays I went on and studied what I was interested in which was to me is languages like I love connecting with people I love being able to speak in that language Spanish was one of the languages Mm -hmm. and I studied English as well so I loved reading love writing English literature and so that's the other thing a lot of people think I've got to study journalism I've got to do this you really don't if you keep doing what you're interested in and you kind of pick things up Uh on the side but 
how easy work. is it to have the crossover though because you are obviously you, you you're very different in the sense that you're able to kind of like balance a lot of different things mm. you're passionate you've got um a real energy enthusiasm about you so you are focused yeah. but it's not I'm easy to kind of like you know leave one thing and try something else it's all kind of what you want to do so mm. At university, for example, I was really involved with um, the student radio and the okay. student newspaper. Mm-hmm. And some, when you're kind of still studying, the commitment, it's there, but it would be maybe a meeting once a week or an article okay. once a week. Or you go and help out with a radio show once a week. I mean, if you had the time and you were really, really determined, you could hang out there every mm-hmm. day or you could try to pick up work experience every single day right. or after school. But um, I knew that I kind of just wanted I still wanted to enjoy my social life Uh so it was kind of I would spend my week doing all the studying that I had to do for my whether it was GCSEs or my exams at uni and then it would be maybe once or twice a week in the evenings where I would have kind of just been hanging out anyway I thought okay I'll do something a bit more productive um so for everybody that's going to be quite different how Mm. much they want to push themselves and how much they want to make sure that they keep a balance and it's remarkable that you've been able to kind of leave a degree um as a languages degree an English degree um, to kind of roll over so comfortably into journalism but the thing is you have worked your way up there so the journalistic mm. qualification when did that come about and did you do that separately yeah at a later I did date? it I did it completely separately so after I'd graduated I did something called an NCTJ mm-hmm. which is um, I guess in simple terms it's like a conversion course that you do so you can graduate from any degree any university right. anything and then this course kind of just gives you those basic crucial journalism skills that right. you need um, and some of the courses you can do online and they oh. take maybe three months three oh, really? to six months online as well you can do online courses mm-hmm. um, some of them you can do part-time so uh-huh. um, actually I've just thought of a really inspirational story while I'm here if you don't mind me no, sharing no, I would love to hear um, it so when I was doing my journalism course so I did the full-time it was a three-month course mm-hmm. that I had to do after graduating and there was a woman I want to say in her mid-30s who would be on reception of the building this course mm-hmm. was held mm-hmm. in and she used to see me and the other journalists kind of walk in every day and she never knew what we were doing because there were loads of different levels right, of different right. companies. And this one day she asked me, like, what, what is it that you do here? So I explained to her that I was a journalist and this is what I'm doing. And she said to me, I've always wanted to do it. I've always, I love writing. I really want to be a journalist. Right, right. And this was a lady working on reception. Okay. And I just said to her, then you should. You should start a blog, start writing in your mm-hmm. free time. And um, so I met her about two and a half years ago and about a week ago I was covering a story in Milton Keynes and I walk in and she's there and she's shadowing a newspaper she'd gone gone on the course she'd been writing in her free time fantastic so it's never ever too late you don't have to have the formal journalism degree you don't have to be young and on social Mm -hmm. media Anybody can dip into it whenever they kind of feel that they want to. That's some great advice there. If you've got a passion and conviction, Mm. it's never too late. And the fact that you can actually go online and do a course like this, it's called the uh, NCTJ. CTJ. Fantastic, fantastic. So your career as a journalist, um, what advice then can you give to people listening in who, you know, what makes a great journalist? I would say you want to be a good listener. So... 
as a reporter, when I'm on mm. a story, it's not about me, it's not about the programme, it's not about what I'm doing. It's very much, OK, what is that person's story? Mm-hmm. How do I want to make sure that I'm telling it through their eyes right. or through their voice? Yeah. So um, definitely, if you're a good listener and a good talker, because you've got to make a relationship with that person, you've got mm. to make them trust you kind of off the bat. So good listener is definitely one thing. Um some advice for the industry as a whole be nice to everybody oh. journalism is it's a really <laughs> small world cutthroat as well that's it the can impression be very I, have. I have my stereotypical impression in the past of of people in the media was quite ice maiden mm. or cutthroat it um, can it definitely can be um and i think People are so busy on their day-to-day. So right. editors, mm. writers, they're, they're consumed by so much that's going on. And so it's quite competitive to br- have that breaking is. story. But if you are nice to people who maybe even aren't nice to you, if you're on work experience and you're getting shouted out or you're getting told to do this and do that, just keep your calm and be nice because the industry itself is so small. I mean, the world right. itself is yeah. so small that somebody who maybe could be known as kind of, you know, rough and tough to deal with, if you're nice to them... You never know. They might be the one handing you a job in a year's time. Ooh, or they might, good their advice, best friend yeah. might be the one that's interviewing you for your next job. So you're, you're quite smart then. That's why you have that smile <laughs> plastered on your face. She's actually naturally really nice, though. She's not, you know, um, I won't be handing her her next job. Believe me, but she might be handing me my next job. Well, you never know. <laughs> you it's never always, know. It never, ever hurts to be nice. Of course. And it of really course, doesn't. where does that niceness come from, Nabiha, mashallah? Because I think that's one of the reasons that I kind of was quite drawn to you because mashallah um, you know you have a lovely pleasant aura about you very jovial and very approachable Um, considering the position that you're in you make it so easy to kind of talk to you and Mm. I'm not being stereotypical here but it's a tough job (laughs) that you do and it's not easy kind of like communicating with everybody all the time Mm. but you you have that wonderful um that skill and I don't think everybody has that skill so enough about you more about me (laughs) (laughs) so where does this come from is this you know has has somebody been an inspiration in your life do you have a role model that's kind of inspired you to kind of be the person that you are um I think it just comes from pretty much my upbringing I come from a big family Uh as I'm sure many Asian people do (laughs) um I've always had people around me aunts uncles cousins so um it's just one of those where family being being in a social family where getting together and always being around younger people older people mm. you just kind of grow up naturally being mm. able to connect um and definitely my mum my mum's been huge inspiration because she was a working mum she's superwoman i'm i'm sure everyone will say that Marshall about their mum yeah. but i mean if you've got a strong woman in your life mm. that is doing everything and isn't letting anything stop them i mean she is she doesn't want she won't want me to reveal her age but she's kind of over 50 shall we say and she recently did her master's qualification fantastic so when you've got somebody yeah. like that who you're looking up to uh-huh. it just shows okay well if my mom can do that at her mm. age why can't i keep going why can't i keep pushing if right. she can balance everything then surely i can just follow in her can footsteps. we give mrs parker a shout out like <laughs> we a full can name? Give because mrs. i remember parker. meeting you and the first thing you said when you heard i was inspired <laughs> oh my mom might be listening my mom listens yeah. to that show and i'm like 
so that it's... made me so happy. <laughs> so mum is Hajira Parker. Hajira Parker. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum, sister um, Hajira. It's an absolute pleasure to hear about you. We need to get you on the show. We yes, really do. Because do. I think it is about, we need more intergenerational, inspirational role models to mm. kind of like, you know, they paved the way. They have paved yeah. the way for us younger ladies. Um and and I love the fact that when daughters praise their mothers, because role models don't necessarily have to be in professional positions. They can be just your mother yeah. or your sister or your aunt. It's the simple things, the simple actions that can be so inspiring. Um, and so it's an absolute pleasure to hear about um, Hajra, Sister Hajra, this morning. Um, and... Is, you know, what does what does mum say about you when she looks at, you know, sees you on television? Does she say, come on, children, everybody get round. Do you have like a bowl of samosas and pakore? <laughs> well, you know, how, how does the Parker household um, watch you, observe oh. you on TV? And what do they say? I mean, my family have always been super, super uh-huh. supportive. And that's that goes to my dad and my brother as well. So it's not just the women in my life. The men are Fantastic. extremely supportive as well. And I think I've been really lucky in that respect because my parents, whenever I, when I first told them I wanted to be a journalist, they were really open-minded and I know like alhamdulillah that my parents were like that I know for a lot of young people these days it might not be so simple if their parents come from a different generation Mm -hmm. or their parents are maybe they weren't educated in the same way that their children are um so they were always really supportive and um I think it helps it helps a lot because it makes you feel like okay if my parents are behind me then I must be doing something right um and they can be the typical embarrassing parents that like oh my my daughter's journalist she does this she does that but um to make them proud and to be able to tell stories that they watch on tv that they think how did you ever interview this person or you know um I did a story about gang crime where I spoke to a former gang member and they'd Mm. go weren't you scared (laughs) but were you scared honestly no I think it takes a lot to scare me okay (laughs) boom Did you catch that on camera, people? I don't think I flinched. I don't think I flinched. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we're having a silly moment. It's blame the coffee. Um, So what the stories that you've broken, tell us about those. um, And what has been what is the, the story that you'd like to kind of cover? Okay, so let's go for the ones that I've done already. Um, I really love being able to cover something that is considered taboo, I guess. So one of the first stories that ever made it to television that I was researching into was about FGM, which is female genital mutilation, um, which recently it's been more covered in the news because there was a historic trial Mm. that recently went to court. Mm. Um, It's something that affects a lot of women, a lot Mm. of girls, um, different communities. And when something isn't talked about as openly, it makes people scared to even think of it or scared Mm. to come forward. Mm. So I think the more that we bring things like that to the light, If that even makes one person who, you know, is affected by it think, okay, I can actually talk about this because if I'm seeing it in news around me, if I'm hearing about it, Mm -hmm. if I'm hearing another woman talk about how she's gone through something similar, if that just helps one more person Mm -hmm. think, okay, I can speak up, then I feel like I'm doing my job. Um, Another story that I did was around forced marriages, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because a lot of people get it confused with arranged marriages. Um, And it was one of those where, forced marriage is completely different it's mm-hmm. it's so distinct from arranged but yet people who might not be aware of the cultures where arranged marriages are more common could get it confused to me that that's scary because mm. i feel responsible well i know the difference so i've got to share that and mm-hmm. help other people know more about it mm-hmm. um 
So it's all these kind of topics that maybe go under the rug or people feel scared to just bring up in public when actually if we talk about it, it might it might help. It might help the situation. It, definitely helping one victim impacted by this saving somebody's life I think mm. is definitely something that needs to be applauded um, and these issues do need to be discussed. Is there a story that you'd love to cover that isn't um, say taboo or maybe entertaining <laughs> or is there somebody that you really want to interview? Oh gosh I don't know I don't know I would love to do more around inspirational women because okay. I think there's so many people doing great things whether that's kind of national international scale mm. to just really local uh-huh. um, I don't think there's a enough out there about people doing positive things Mm -hmm. so a lot of the news can be swayed to problems or war or negative outcomes of whatever situation might be happening and so I think in the future as well as my taboo topics which I don't think I could ever give them up I just Mm -hmm. think I'm too fascinated by all that kind of stuff um, I would like to do more inspirational stories so if there's women out there who think that they are doing great work then and there's loads there I'm is sure loads. there's tons Marshall, across Luton and yeah. the three counties area so how can people get in contact with you if they've got a story they want to kind of share with you and what type of stories are you looking for um definitely reach out to me on social channels mm-hmm. so um Nabiha Parker is my name if you pretty much search into google that should come up mm-hmm. um, I'm on Twitter Instagram Facebook um, my email as well would be nabiha.parker at bbc.co.uk um, the thing is the stories it's very much I want to hear what is happening to other people so okay. As a journalist, you can be in a bit of a bubble where you're mm-hmm. kind of getting information from all different communities, all different cities. So somebody who maybe lives in Luton and, you know, has something that her, her and their friends always talk about or is affecting their kids or is mm-hmm. affecting their families, I might not necessarily know about because I'm removed from that specific right. cluster and, of people. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? When you're not in the heart of the community yeah. 24 hours and you're working in, in a profession that doesn't kind of allow you to come out, yeah. like, how do people find these stories? It does, it, it can yeah. be quite difficult um, to do so. But what you're trying to say is, like, you are approachable if you've got a great story yeah. that imp- that's benefiting the community. Could that be, like, an art project it or a community project? absolutely anything. So it could be something that's really creative. It could be something to do with young people old people mm-hmm. it could be something even if it's super serious and you know it's something that is maybe undiscovered right. or um even if it's just a topic that has already been covered in the media like the ones i've just mentioned fgm forced mm-hmm. marriage but maybe people might think when they read those things oh but why are they talking about it like this please talk to me <laughs> tell okay. me tell me maybe what other media outlets are doing wrong because if I can represent in some way a community right. to fix mm. maybe a wording that mm. people are using around something that's not correct. Because that's the fear, it's misrepresentation mm. and sen- and turning something and turning it into like sensationalist news to get mm. the headline. And that's where the problem um, lies really, where our communities feel quite um, slightly alienated and mm. they, don't, they don't feel that they can trust the media and projecting or sharing their story. Um, and I do I do get that when people say that to me I do fully understand where they're coming from but equally I mean I know I've tried to cover stories where you want to approach people mm-hmm. so there was a story I think it was about um, uh, hijabs in primary schools right. and I wanted to hear the other side okay. of the story mm-hmm. and I think people can get quite scared if any media contact them and I think 
my advice would be to kind of sound out what that person wants to get from you because if you kind of shut off to all media how are we as the media supposed to be able to represent your views so so what you're saying is is what what do you mean by sound out is that is be a bit more precise than what you want them to showcase if 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 you're approached by a newspaper or a reporter Mm -hmm figure out ask them what exactly is it that you want to hear from me mm-hmm. um what exactly is your story about what is the angle you're trying to cover because mm-hmm. a lot of times i mean journalists try their best to be able to show both sides of the story right. but that takes a lot of cooperation and that takes people being able to to talk to you about the other side the pro side and the con side um so don't i would say don't don't shut off immediately if somebody contacts you or you mm-hmm. see a report don't think oh gosh no they're just you know, they're not trying to sound my voice out. They're just going on one one side of the story. Yeah. And which has happened on so many occasions. Which, it because does, it's it the does. negative is what that has been projected because that is newsworthy, but mm. not the positive sides. And this is what, say, the Muslim community has been trying to battle against. Like, show, you know, we're tired of the same old, same old. Show us, show us who we actually are. And, and the community activism, the wonderful work that goes across the community, for example, the charity fundraising. I mean, yeah, um, that Luton is so, so well known for. So we want we mm. want to see more of that. I think that's a great story to cover. <laughs> Folks, if you are tuning into the Urban Cube, you're listening to me, Shamiza and Nabiha Parker, who is a broadcast journalist. She's She's taken time out of her busy news uh, career to join me this morning, so I'm absolutely delighted to have her keeping myself and you guys company this morning. Nabiha is sharing, shared with us her very interesting um, journalistic background and gave us some tips on how to be a great journalist as well. Um, she's also provided um, some links for you guys to get in contact with her if you have a great news story that you'd like her to cover. Those news stories can be about community events. It could be anything charitable. Yeah anything informative and if you'd like to give us your handles again because we are heading off to a break and Nabia is just gonna have to dash off um in like you know Clark Kent style (laughs) (laughs) so my uh Instagram is Nabiha P my Twitter is Nabiha Parker and Parker's spelt with an AR at the end not an ER which some people can can get confused with um and my email address is nabiha.parker at bbc.co.uk fantastic Nabiha if there's anything you'd like to say to our listeners just before we head to the break if anybody is considering a career in journalism or career in the media or anything creative go for it i know you can do it just persevere you'll get there fantastic um thank you so very much nabiha for joining me this morning it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you you um and and get you on the other side of the mic and thank you for being my international woman's day representative on the show thank you we are heading off to a break and after the break i'm going to be joined by uh, another fantastic guest and we're talking about henna so join me straight after this assalamu alaikum you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It is 11 o'clock, Monday 11th of March and you're listening to me, Shamiza, taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock on the final hour of the Urban Cube. I've had a tremendous morning with a very talented young broadcast journalist who joined me to share her journalistic journey as um, somebody who is really making a difference on the news stories that have been projected about the community, our community 
Kelly um, overall. So that it was no other than Nabiha Parker. She also talked about the 5050 project, which was launched um, prior to International Women's Day with the aim of making sure there's more gender balance um, in the media, and particularly news stories. So I had the pleasure of participating on the open day at BBC Cambridgeshire, and it was very, very inspiring to see the number of women that came together from across the three counties to gain more experience on working at radio stations and the news desk at Look East as well. So um, if it's a project that you might be interested in and getting involved in, then please do get in touch with me and I will, inshallah, put your details through to the very fabulous Nabiha. And um, on today's show, we are talking about International Women's Day. Who are the women that have inspired your life? Do share that information with me and I look forward to reading out all your messages, inshallah, on the final half an hour of the show. I'm also going to be um, finding out about your favourite books. Uh, How did you mark... World Book Day. Did you? What did you dress your children up in? Um, I was really quite inspired by the wonderful pictures and images that were sent across social media. Um, I actually didn't. I actually got a really good bargain. I made sure that I'd actually gone to a a superstore and um, bought my children's outfits um, on the sale. Say when the sale was on. Goodness me, I saved myself a bit of a bit of a f- oh, well, a few pence and pounds then, um, which is a great thing. Now on today's show, as always, I'm speaking to a wonderful, wonderful array of guests, and um, and it's wonderful to be actually to speak to one particular guest all the way from Sheffield this morning, which is brilliant because we are reaching out to the wonderful listeners across uh, Link FM this morning in Sheffield, Marshalla and Peterborough, Salam Radio and across Nottingham Um, so it's wonderful to actually have somebody representing Sheffield I've not had anybody speak to me from Sheffield this morning now the reason I'm speaking to the wonderful Leisha Sharif is she is participating in a very interesting interesting fundraising event which is which is national it's across 12 cities with the aim of raising awareness of um the rohingya rohingya crisis in particular the trauma faced by the women um in in the camps um in that region as well so uh it's an absolute pleasure to have have my guest sharing with me her skill her skill set is henna she's a professional henna artist and she's using henna in as a means of engagement and interaction and education um i've always been i've always admired the art of henna and it must be i think the last time i actually had henna on my hands was a good sort of like i don't know 20 years it's been a very long time and the patterns then have changed remarkably it's just amazing to see the creative Activity now um, embodied in the patterns it's just really really quite interesting to observe and I always love observing and seeing the patterns and it just makes me you know it just excites me really uh, to see the different different patterns so I'm actually really really delighted to have um, wonderful sister this morning um, Leisha joining us all the way from Sheffield Assalamu alaikum Leisha 
Okay. I'm very, very well. Um, Alicia, thank you for joining us uh, from your busy schedule because you're an entrepreneur and you're also a owner of a bridal boutique as well. So a very, very busy lady um, this morning. So what's the weather like in Sheffield? I've actually got um, nice weather today, I have to say. Oh, l- lucky you, lucky you. It's bright yeah. but cold in Luton. Yeah, it's cold. Now, um, are you able to hear me clearly? Because there's a little bit of interference with the line. At the moment. Are you okay? Can you hear me clearly? I, I, I can hear you clearly. I can. Fantastic, fantastic. So, um, Alicia, tell us a little bit about this project that you're actually participating in. It's actually launched by um, Salam Charity and it's one day workshops for participants to learn um, the art of applying henna. Um, yeah, well, we've um, I've teamed up with um, Salam Charity where they've um, launched this amazing um, uh, new project where we're hoping to raise some funds for uh, Rohingya refuge- refugees. Um, it's like a one-day workshop where we've got 12 different artists to uh, do a one-day workshop in 12 different cities. So it'll be Sheffield, Luton, London. We have quite a lot of different um, cities who are participating. Um, and we're hoping, you know, to, to use our skills to raise, you know, raise funds for the less fortunate, inshallah. Because this is really quite exciting because it's not one henna artist. It's actually 12 across the country. How were they selected? Yeah. Um... We were approached by um, a brother from Salam Charity and, you know, they just uh, asked us whether we would be interested in helping, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to raise some funds. So, yeah, that's from what, that's how I was approached anyway. Uh-huh. And why did they approach you? What is it, what is it about your uh, henna artistry that kind of drew their attention? Um, well... I guess with art, I've managed to gather up quite a bit of a, you know, a social media uh, audience. Um, before before this, um, they, I've been approached by quite a few um, charity organisers, you know, asking me to help them um, just with raising awareness for that event mm-hmm. or whatever. So I've always I've always helped in that sense mm-hmm. where I, I could use my uh, social media to raise aware, awareness for events and charity projects that are going on. So I think that's where I first met with these people. And then after that, you know, we came up with another idea of how about we do a few workshops. Um, A lot of people are interested in henna art. So we felt, you know, it it has potential. Now, henna art is internationally recognized, mashallah. um, And it's something that is kind of, you know, uh, it's really appreciated by all different types of culture, cultures um, and people. Have you, you know, have what inspired you to kind of pick up the cone and become a henna artist? I mean, um, all my mom, my all my six sisters, aunties, I mean, they they all do henna. So, I mean, I guess that already opened that door for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and But what made me want to take it as, you know, uh, professionally was, uh, I think I traveled, was it, to Africa. Mm-hmm. And I saw young teenage girls with extraordinary skills. And for me, that just sort of, I just felt like, you know, if these girls are so skilled and they're making, you know, they've made a career out of this, I felt like, you know, this is something that I wanted to do. So for me, that's what motivated me to take this uh, th- th- this uh, career path. And what's extraordinary is the fact that you travelled, when you travelled to Africa, that's what inspired you for this uh, this wonderful career. And it does seem to be a career because you are known as a professional, mashallah, um, henna artist with over 500,000 followers on Instagram. So you're a henna influencer. Is that what, <laughs> is that what I could call you? 
Oh, what a ridiculous one. And I have to point out, guys, um, the wonderful thing about Leisha is she's very modest and humble. And we were trying to put her bio together and she would not say anything about herself. So trying to pull out information from her was quite difficult. But she is a very, very talented henna artist. And I was really quite taken aback by the beautiful design. So I can really appreciate why she has been selected to use her artistry to raise awareness. And it is about raising awareness about issues impacting women. And in particular, the issues here, we're talking about the hardship, the immense hardship that the Rohingya women have faced, in particular the Rohingya rape victims. And this project aims to focus on developing a community project to kind of give them the support that they in, uh, that they require. And um, Alicia, what is it that the support that you're hoping that this project, this community development project will enable these women to, to um, I mean, gain? I mean, I hope it gives them, you know, um, what would I say, it enables them to live a decent life, you know, mm-hmm. um, to give them resources, clothing, you know, resources for their children. That's what we're hoping, you know, to raise money and um, to be able to help these women live a, live a normal life. Inshallah, inshallah, with dignity, with dignity and confidence that there is a place for them, um, you know, after the trauma that they have faced. And they have faced horrific trauma. um, And may Allah ease, ease um, the pain and and just get them through day-to-day life. And it is a very, very difficult situation because the plight of the Rohingya community, it just hasn't eased. It's just worsened, it seems. Um, Would you agree with me on that? Definitely, definitely. Um, I just feel like people are not aware enough um, Mm -hmm. and we're not appreciative enough of the life that we live. So hopefully, you know, we can give back now. Um, And International Women's Day has been marked across the globe. Um, And for you, Leisha, what does International Women's Day mean? Do, Do you feel that it needs to be celebrated and is it being used enough to raise awareness of women's issues in 2019? Well, um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, well, I don't personally celebrate it, if I'm going to be honest, mm-hmm. but, well, I mean, good, good for them if that's something that people want to do, but I do, I, I mean, if there's going to be an International Women's Day, I do feel that maybe we should uh, use this day to to look into other women who are less fortunate than we are, um, you know, uplift other women mm-hmm. in any way that we can, if mm-hmm. that is um, financially, uh, you know, however we can. And I think that's the best way forward, really. And the women in Rohingya are definitely those women that need that support. Now, this yeah, event, yeah. this event is is car- the workshops are being carried out over the weekend of the sixth and seventh of April, and it's actually a national. It's a national event in twelve different cities. It sounds so exciting. So, how is how are we going to kind of you know um, is this going to have like a social media um, promo? How do, how are we going to be following this? I mean, um, for people who are interested in um, joining this workshop, all they have to do is log on to Salam Charities' um, website and you can actually purchase tickets to um, join. And remember, everything goes straight to charity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's for a good cause. And we're only doing it for such a uh, small fee. 
And the great thing is, it's actually been also there's an, uh, a workshop in Luton also happening. And we've got some Luton sisters who will be um, running those, um, which is really quite interesting. And the date for that, uh, the Luton stint is 6th of April, people, 6th of April. I think when you register, you'll find out exactly where the venues are going to be. And it's 6th of April. And it's called, the project's called In Good Hands, an introduction yeah. to the art of henna and i love that in good hands well that's quite a quirky title quirky title for that um and uh coming back to your own journey um leisha you're somebody that's traveled across the world and lived in around six to eight countries wow eight different countries and why is that is that just a general thing that you've you've just decided that you want to travel not really, no. My dad was a businessman and he used to go to different countries and he'd set up a business and mashallah, there's 16 of us. So we used to always tag along everywhere he went, obviously. Okay, okay. I need, to, I need to take a step back. <laughs> 16 of us. What does that mean? Siblings? Yes. Siblings, <gasps> yes. So I would be the sixth one wow. from going down, basically. There's 10 after me. Yes. One mom, one dad. That's the question I always get. One mom, one dad, 16. I will never complain about having six <laughs> children. How do you live a life with so many siblings and, and, and travel with them too? It's amazing. to be honest. I would never change my childhood for anything. I mean, we've lived everywhere from Kenya to, you know, that this was with my father. We, met and got, we got to go to Syria. This was a long time back. Um, quite a, a few different places we've lived in. Um, and then after, obviously, after I got older, I... I got to move to Malaysia. So I've managed to, to see a lot, to be honest. And what is it that you managed to see? What ins- inspires you about these different countries as a, as a Muslimer? It's the beautiful, different cultures, you know, different food. You get to experience so much. Um, you get to take inspiration for your work. I mean, with the bridal boutique that I run, mm. I put together Malaysian, um, I, you know, just put, bringing in a lot of cultures together. Uh-huh. I feel like we don't have enough of that, some African items, just bringing everything together. Um, and I found that's interesting. It's something different uh, that I've not seen much of. Wow, this fusion of, of cultures, the crossover, fusion, the yeah. crossover of cultures. Is there a favorite country in the world that you've traveled to? For me, it's definitely Malaysia. Okay, what about Malaysia? I hear so much about Malaysia. What is it about Malaysia that stands out for you? The rich culture, the food, it's everything. The people are so, they're really, really lovely people down there. And um, the scenery, there's nothing, I can't really fault the place at all. Wow, it's amazing. wow. So tell me the countries that you've lived in. You've lived in Malaysia, you lived in, I understand, Canada as well. In Kenya, um, I have a few, Yemen, Syria, um, been to Oman, where else have I been around? Big Island. I've been to quite a lot of different places. And that was only because of my dad's work. Mashallah, mashallah, and now you're in sunny Sheffield. I mean, <laughs> and um, are, is is Sheffield where you're going to stay forever, or do you hope to? Um, go- definitely, yeah. I think Sheffield is probably uh, where my business is and everything. Oh. So I doubt I don't have any plans of leaving now. Oh, wonderful. Now, folks, uh, if you've just tuned in, you are listening to Alicia Sharif, my guest this morning, who's joined me all the way from Sheffield over the phone. She's not in the studio, but she's over the phone. She is participating in a very exciting, poignant um, project called In a Good Hands, an introduction to the art of henna. She's a professional henna artist who's using her skill set with another um 
henna professionals, a group of henna professionals across 12 cities across England to share their artistry, the um, the art of henna to help raise awareness of the plight of Rohingya women and to kind of develop the um, fundraising to enable community development projects um, to actually help these women who've gone through so much immense hardship. Um, and a lot of the women have faced um, horrendous, horrendous um trauma um rape is one of them and um which has basically impacted their lives they have children as a result of this and it's kind of trying to enable them dignity to kind of live their lives as best as they possibly can to support them and the children um and this is what this project is about and it's such a pleasure to actually speak to um Leisha this morning who uh, is providing her skill set as an entrepreneur as a professional henna artist um, uh, to kind of support uh, the raising of the awareness um, Alicia when you thank you so very much for joining me this morning sister and I just want to ask you when you kind of listen into the case studies of these sisters in Rohingya how does it make you feel it's, it's very upsetting it's shocking to be honest I feel like there's not enough coverage mm. on these women and so, yeah, we definitely need to do something to help out and is this one of the reasons why you've got involved with the project? Definitely. It's, it's when you actually look into um, the lives these, these women live, mm. yeah, you just feel, you feel ob obliged, you, you know, to help out. Alhamdulillah, and this is what you're doing. And across the um, event, it's, it's a two-day event across 12 cities. So are, are there going to be 12 different professional henna artists across these we 12? We have 12 amazing professional henna artists will be covering each um each city so you're in good hands wow i love that you're in good hands because that is what the project definitely. is called you are <laughs> definitely in good hands now i'm sure lots of folk listening in would be quite what would want to ask you questions about the art of henna now when we think of henna we always think associate that with either eid or with like weddings now um henna can be worn any time but what is the best type of henna to kind of use because i in the newspapers I've, i saw a story of a young boy who um, had an, a major allergic reaction to black henna, yeah. which actually scarred his skin. Yeah. I mean, the best henna to use obviously would need to be natural organic henna, which mm -hmm. I supply. Mm -hmm. If you want to go with a black-toned henna, you'd have to go with Jaguar, which is a natural... Um, it's, a, it's a natural gel, mm -hmm. uh, which is... Uh, I think, is it from fruits from Brazil? So... That would be the alternative. Otherwise, I mean, I always say this, you're always better off sticking to natural red mandy to be on the safe side. Wonderful. Because, and I mean, that can't harm you. No way. And so with your traveling across eight countries with your 16 siblings and your <laughs> mama and your papa, um, did you learn different skills of artistry with henna across the world? And um, were you inspired by the different designs? Yeah, definitely. I've learned a lot in Africa. I mean, going um, to the Middle East, they have their own style. So what I've done is I've taken the African style and the um, Arabian style and I've, you know, fused them together, um, you know, to come up with something a bit more unique, something different from mm -hmm. what everybody else is practicing. So, yeah, definitely um, uh, traveling around the world has, uh, you know, inspired me to 
uh, bring you know just come up with my own sort of style and the art of henna doesn't seem to be dying out it seems to be getting stronger and stronger and why is that well i guess you know there's innovation everybody mm. every artist is coming up with something different and it's always you know it's like the beauty of creativity you can always come up with mm. you know your what your mind your mm. own creativity and i think that's what just keeps it you know refreshed mm. henna from how many years ago and now there's been a huge difference uh like you know, there's always new styles coming out. Yeah. So I think that's what keeps it in. So how would you describe your artistry with henna? Because, I mean, this is radio. Um, you're not in the studio, so we can't show off your hands. You do have an Instagram yeah. page, which we're, we're happy to share the um, links to. So what? how would you describe to our listeners your style of henna? My style of henna would be mainly Omani-inspired. Uh, uh, some, there's something a bit different. Uh-huh. from what you see every day so uh, the idea is to always keep it unique you know uh-huh and um and this is this because of your heritage because you, um what is yeah. your cultural heritage we are mixed omani and east african so definitely that uh would be uh, due to my roots as well. Mashallah. And I like that, the fact that the element of your roots are being reflected in the the pattern of henna. Yeah. Now Leisha Sharif is joining me in the studio this morning. She is part of a very exciting project uh, fundraiser that's happening uh, across the country, across 12 cities, and it's called In Good Hands, an introduction to the art of henna. Um, It's happening um, from the 6th to actually or not just 7th of April but also there's a date of 14th of April in Bolton um, it's a registration uh, to this event which is enabling people to learn the art of henna from professionals 12 professionals across the um, country coming together to raise awareness of um, of basically the impact that uh, the the horrendous horrendous trauma that the Rohingya women have faced and it's enabling them to empower these women to kind of live with dignity and just you know make their life a a way easier than it possibly is I pray that their life will be easier than it is I don't know how that's going to be possible but inshallah a project like this hopefully raising more awareness because we need to keep that continuous conversation going so who would you expect to attend this workshop? Are you expecting people to have some general knowledge of how to apply henna? I mean, uh, with this workshop, we don't mind, even if you have a bit of um, experience, if you have no experience at Mm -hmm. all, we will introduce from the beginning. And I feel like a lot can benefit from um, this workshop. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of ideas planned, a lot of practicing. So even if you have a little bit of um, experience, we can help you build your skills from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest with henna, it's not something that you would pick up a cone and, you know, you're a professional overnight. It's that it's, it's having a teacher to give you the, uh-huh. you know, the basics and you uh-huh. go home and you practice the basics. OK. And so and then you build on that and uh, you build on that. And so hopefully in a year's time, we'll have like, what, 50, 50 cities with 50 professional henna artists. Is that what you're aiming that's for? That's the Alicia? idea, you know, yeah? that's the idea. That's super awesome. Now, um, do you will you be providing the cones yourself or will they? The... I will be doing uh, because I supply henna and mm-hmm. I supply for Sheffield College. I am willing to supply for our um 
for our workshop here in Sheffield, I feel like because I've made the cone, I know how to use it and I know what's uh-huh. in, in the cone. So I just felt like that would be the best for my, for my workshop. And so is this what henna artists do? They actually make their own henna? Not all. I mean, back in the day, I didn't. It was very it was very difficult to um, build up skills to be able to make them. Um, but through time, I, I've managed to create cones that I felt is perfect for a beginner. Uh-huh. Um, non-clogging, you know. Wow. And um, I want to ask you as well about, you know, allergy testing. Will you be expecting people to have like a like a test patch prior to participating just in case they uh, have an allergy to the product? I know because um, with henna products, you can use different essential oils. You can use eucalyptus. Um, mm. With with the workshop, I will be using lavender. Lavender is, um, is OK for pregnant women, for okay. children. That's the safest uh, option. So, no, there's no need for patch testing because we're using the the correct product for the day. Okie doke. Now, Alicia, we are going over to a break, but I wondered if you might stay on the line um, because I would like to get some um, bridal advice from you because I understand you have a bridal boutique. We're not going to be plugging the brand, but just some tips on the type of looks and trends potential brides um, listening in may uh, get some advice from because you know what? We always love a little bit of fashion on the show. Um, So it'd be lovely to, if if you're willing to do that, it'd be lovely to continue the conversation. That's awesome. So, folks, we're heading off to a break. After the break, I'm still joined by the very fabulous Leisha Sharif, who's joining me all the way from Sheffield this morning over the phone. We've been talking henna, the art of henna. We're in totally good hands because she's going to be giving us some bridal looks um, advice as well for any upcoming weddings and brides-to-be. So join me straight after this break, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. There are two blessings which many people waste, health and free time in Sahih al-Bukhari. So why not spare some of your time and join me, Sister Shigufta, by tuning into Your Health is Your Wealth, where I'll be speaking about holistic health and well-being, including tips from the Quran and Sunnah. That's every Monday at 1pm on Inspire 105.1 FM. a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. Thank you for staying with me this morning on the Urban Cube show, taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock. It is the final half an hour of uh, the show and uh, you can catch the conversations on the repeat of the show, which will be 8pm this evening. We're also iTunes and Spotify as well. Massive big hearty salams to all our listeners from the surrounding areas, as well as Peterborough, Sheffield and Nottingham this morning. On the first part of the show, I had the absolute pleasure of having broadcast journalist Nabiha Parker join us in the studio this morning live. Now, you could have caught uh, some of the conversations uh, uh, on Facebook. You can actually rewind on Facebook and catch uh, her sharing with us some great tips on being a journalist, um, a broadcast journalist as well. So she was a very inspiring young lady that I had the pleasure of interviewing. And uh, and one of the things that she was sharing with us this morning was the 50-50 project, trying to get more gender gender um, balance in the media, in particular news contribution, trying to get more women to kind of um, share their specialism and be more comfortable and confident in front of the camera as well. So if you want to get uh, more information about that, then you know what to do. You need to go back and either 
catch the interview on Facebook Live or the repeat this evening or iTunes or Spotify. Now, the conversation isn't just around um, the media. We're also talking henna art this morning. Um, I have the absolute pleasure of uh, speaking to... uh, um, a wonderful, wonderful sister all the way from Sheffield this morning. Um, and she is Leisha Sharif. Now, Leisha is a lady that's travelled across eight countries with 16 of her siblings in tow. Um, but now she's nicely, comfortably settled in Sheffield. She's an entrepreneur and she is a professional henna artist who is taking her love for the artistry of henna and sharing it across uh, not just one um, town, but uh, she's joined joined by 12 other artists to uh, celebrate henna artistry with the aim of raising awareness and raising funds for sisters in Rohingya who've been impacted by the trauma and in particular um, just getting them to kind of you know help helping them build their lives once again so this is called the project is called in good hands and it has been shared across 12 12 cities across uh, england from and we also have uh, a stint happening an event happening a henna workshop event happening in luton so we'll find out a little bit more details about that so it's absolutely awesome to have uh, um, alicia back online with us this morning to talk a little bit more about this uh, very very interesting event which is all about in, in good hands i love that i love the title of the project in good hands it's a henna art workshop with the aim of raising awareness of the plight of rohingya women now i did mention that uh, sister alicia has traveled eight countries not on her own with 16 siblings i really don't know how that happens and goodness me all that packing and washing that her mother and father must have had to do alicia assalamu alaikum thank you for joining us back on the show now um really quite inspired by the journey that you've had in eight countries uh, mashallah and a part of that journey has kind of led you into developing your artistic interest and especially in fashion um i understand yeah. that you you have had a great interest in fashion and art um yeah. and tell us a little bit more about that i mean um i studied fashion and art and um you know, that's what led me to what I do today is bringing together henna and, um, you know, fashion, uh, combining them together. Um, and it doesn't stop there because, mashallah, you're an entrepreneur um, with your own bridal boutique um, launched in the heart of Sheffield. And you're somebody that has a real eye uh, for uh, bridal fashion. The fashion keeps changing or, or um, all the time, but you're kind of bringing in a fusion of different cultures in it, um, which is great because spring is now. We're here. Well, I, mm-hmm. I'm so confused with the weather. Is it spring? Is it not spring? What is it? <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> You must get very busy around this time for those spring weddings. Definitely. Um, we, we, we came up with this idea where we wanted to have bridal clothing, but Islamic bridal clothing. So okay. a bit, maybe a bit more modest mm-hmm. because, it's, you know, it's easy, it's easy to get all types of wedding dresses, short ones, you know, deep, uh, deeper necklines. But we thought get things are a little bit more covered uh-huh. um, uh, to target more of, you know, uh, target products that you can't really get everywhere. We decided to get in abayas, um, you know, all sorts of things. We've gone to Turkey. We bought in items from Turkey, from some from Kenya, some from um, Middle East. So we thought, you know, this would be a pretty cool idea to bring all these together. 
Mashallah, mashallah. So it's modest bridal wear. Um, And it seems to be kind of that modest look seems to be um, really making a comeback. In particular, um, we saw Meghan Markle with that very elegant, very, very simple, um, very modest wedding dress. And do you think that's kind of also sparked uh, an international Western interest in the more modest uh, uh, bridal gown? Definitely, definitely. I mean, it's um, ever since she's worn that gown, it's like a lot of people more interested in more, maybe longer sleeves, maybe more, you know, more uh, modest. It's still, even though it's modest, it still looks just as beautiful. Mm-hmm. And 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 clearly she did. And what was fascinating was it had mixed reactions. But what I've seen is a lot of brides opting for that look when I look on social media. Yeah. So um, very, just very kind of understated. And do you sometimes wish, or I mean, is that something that you're kind of into that type of look, more of an understated look? Because South Asian wedding gowns are definitely not understated. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely into that sort of look. I, it's just something, it's preference, I guess, you know. They're, all looks are beautiful, but it's something that I would prefer. Also, being, you know, of Muslim, uh, being uh, Muslim, it's like uh, we do have a few codes that we need to follow. So I feel, you know, it's nice to have something that's stylish, yet covering, um, yet it doesn't go against your religion. So it's, it's, a good, it's a good idea. So how would you describe the perfect bridal look then? For me, I just love a lovely, uh, you know, something that's simple, elegant, but has the wow factor. Wow factor. Gosh. And could the wow factor be accessories? Could it be the way the hijab or the makeup or the the embroidery? Am I putting you on the spot? But you are my bridal (laughs) dress expert. So you need to answer these questions. (laughs) I I mean, I think the makeup would definitely do it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And yeah, it's really, exactly. you know what's fascinating, right? And I'm sure yeah. a lot of people are going to be listening in. Sometimes the makeup is costing more than the actual dress itself. It's true, you know. It's definitely true. And what's your thoughts on the, um, I think she was Malaysian, um, the sister who decided not to wear any makeup on her wedding day? Well, I mean, I guess uh, if she has uh, maybe a message she wants to put across, then I guess we, I respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, do, is that something that your boutique also kind of um, helps potential brides as well to wear? We well, we help pot- potential brides uh, with clothing. We have a makeup artist in. We have all these sort of things mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in store. So it's basically everything in one place: yeah. henna, makeup, um, bridal clothing. You need bridal accessories. We we covered all. The, we cover it all. Uh-huh. And what about like the costing of weddings? What's your thoughts on that? Because now weddings are becoming so extravagant that there's yeah. been reports suggesting that, you know, young people who've recently got married are actually having to pay the debt of the wedding um, five years down the line, which is impacting their, their marriage. Well, I personally, I think that weddings should be kept um, just, mod- I mean, not too modest and not too much. It's just what you mm-hmm. can afford, really. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should... Uh, pressure ourselves to to take debts and stuff you know and be stuck mm. in that so maybe mm. just you know stick to what you can i mean i guess a small wedding has barakah too you know so alhamdulillah a small wedding has barakah and i think that is it's that intimacy and just sharing it with people that yeah. um are close to with you close family you mm. don't need to have half of the world in your wedding just have you know close family and who's uh, people you know uh-huh and um so 
this uh, business that you've uh, started as a as an entrepreneur I mean what advice and guidance could you give to listeners who might be interested in setting up something similar to yourself I mean I think with uh, with most most of us uh, who you know we want to do things I feel like we don't believe in ourselves as um, much and mm-hmm. uh, maybe just close your eyes and take that next step um, you don't have to sit there and say oh well I don't have this and don't have the money I mean, if you take baby steps, it's better than just staying in that same spot. You could you could work it up to something. So I just say, follow your dreams. You know, it, things will happen for you. Mashallah, um, follow your dreams. And is that how you started off? What inspired That's you? That's exactly how I started off. I did not have. Um, I mean, from a lot of people, when you hear, you know, starting up your own business, uh-huh. um, the first thing that I hear is, "Oh, well, I don't have that kind of money. Um, you know, I don't. I can't financially afford it." For me, I never had anything, and I just took those steps so long as you got a good support system my family are very supportive um and from starting from little to it growing and growing and growing and i think anyone can do that there's nothing you know there's nothing different about me that you can't do it too i feel you, the, the main thing is confidence and believing in yourself and believe that god does provide you will you know you will find a way around it things will work out it is International uh, Women's Day, the theme that I'm kind of running on the show today. Um, who inspires you, Leisha, um, with this confidence and, and business panache that you have? I would say my mom. There's nobody else. My mom. My mom's always been uh, in the business as well. My mom and dad, they normally work together. And since I was little, this is what I've seen. I've seen my mom and dad, they don't have everything in the world, but starting from small, they built it up to, you know, moving around to different countries, starting businesses. So for me, I just felt like, you know, I, ha- I have her support mainly. Mm-hmm. And that's what, uh, that's what, you know, giving me that the heart to say, okay, I'm going to do this as well. But yeah, I'm not going to sit there and tell you, hey, it's easy. Just go up and mm-hmm. start up a business. But I believe if you believe in yourself, you know, you never know. You can either today stand up there and say, hey, I'm going to give this a shot. Or you can just sit back and say, oh, well, I don't have this and make a hundred excuses mm-hmm. on why you can't do it. So for me, this is what I feel. I feel like you should just take the next step and take the risk. You never know. You never know whether will it fail, will it succeed. You don't. You really don't know. So just take that risk and leave the rest of God. That's, oh. that's my advice. Mashallah, some some very wise words there. And um, we're also celebrating Islamic History Month this week and just talking yeah. about though the the key figures that have inspired us. Um, is there anybody in Islamic history that has inspired you as a woman? Khadija radiallahu anha, she sounds uh, like an amazing woman reading into her history um how she was you know strong um she was very giving so yeah that that would definitely be some someone who inspires mashallah and she and her business business uh, tenacity um was uh, next to none really she was remarkable and it, and she has definitely inspired me um yeah. as well so i suppose that business element kind of makes you feel like you know as a muslim woman we can do this we can <laughs> we can be you know strong empowered business women too um what advice and guidance could you give to young people or young women or just generally anybody listening into the show or in sheffield this morning um about uh, key business tips then because you know you're my expert um on on business this morning because i don't normally have business people entrepreneurs i normally have artists and creatives so this is quite refreshing um my advice would be just you know uh just just go with it just go with it (laughs) 
you never know what tomorrow would come. That is just so simple. I love it. She's just like, just go with it. I love it. Um, stories are, that we're going to be reflecting on in the show this morning is um, one. So this is going to make you laugh, um, Leisha. Okay. A fruit that's broken the internet. Can you guess what it is? Um, the pineapple. The pineapple. Okay. All right. I was so taken aback by this. I mean, my I've just been cheated. My life is just a lie. You know, I've been eating pineapples wrong all my life. Have you actually seen that footage of the pineapple and how to eat it? I haven't actually. I've heard about it, but I haven't actually gone in to look at it. Oh my goodness. It's basically rather than, you know how difficult it is kind of like shredding the skin off a pineapple and then you take all of it off and then you're left with nothing, next to nothing, just the, the, the core. Um, it's, it's, if the pineapple, the key is if it's ripe enough, then you can actually pull the stems out. Those little like sections, those little p- patterns, just pull, pull it out and you can, it's like having like a ice, a, you know, an ice lolly. That's what it looks like. Pulling it off oh and God. it's so simple to eat, but it has <laughs> to be ripe um you know these mm. food hacks bless social yeah. media for sharing these food <laughs> hacks i am never We've going been doing to... it wrong all this time all this time sister all this time and now it's time you know that the 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 sales of pineapples have gone up now because everybody knows how to eat a pineapple because the other day my daughter was walking past um um uh you know, a display of pineapples in a supermarket. And she says, mommy, can I have a pineapple? And I just looked and thought, no way, darling. There is no way I'm going to spend my, like, afternoon trying to hack that pineapple to get the, the, the fruit out. Forget it. But now I'm like, yeah, I'm first in the queue. I need to try this out. But I went. Yeah. There was none there. Because they've oh, gone. God. They've probably seen that hack then, isn't it? Everybody's that, collecting that. That's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, you know, fruit hacks um, like watermelons and mangoes, they're such succulent fruits, but um, yeah. eating them is quite messy. So if you've got that's any true. fruit hacks, people, do share them with us. We'd love to, <laughs> love to know. Um, and um, another story that uh, kind of. Uh, um, re- really quite uh, intrigued me was also the these like pods for the elderly it's um a shed in the back of your garden to house the elderly um i don't know you're a woman with a large family mashallah um yeah. do you do you, are you close to your grandparents are your grandparents around you no they're all abroad so mashallah so yeah they only have one left Oh, goodness me. May, may they have a long and healthy, prosperous life. Um, I came across this story where it was um, these, like, granny pads at the the end of the garden, um, making it uh, easier for families to kind of, you know, live independently, but also keep an eye on their grandparents um, at the end of the garden. Is that something you could imagine yourself doing? I don't know. I'd rather them be with me, to be fair. I don't know. But, I mean, I don't want to be judgy, so... I don't oh, know. Uh, I like that. She doesn't want to be judgy. <laughs> um, it's it's been absolutely fabulous having you on the show this morning, and um, you know, and sh- and joining the uh, my sort of like International Women's Day special. But before we go, I wanted to share another story with you. Um, you know about the Marvel films, right? You know Marvel, um, the superhero films. Uh huh. 
Okay, so it was absolutely wonderful to see that um, the promo or the hashtag I am Marvel is actually for the new movie is celebrating Mm -hmm. heroes and the heroes are women that have been um, showcased. It's 11 inspirational women um, who are embodying their spirit, their strength and humanity. And these women Mm -hmm. represent diversity in ethnicity, background, body, forms and age. And mashallah, it was super, super awesome to see the very fabulous, fabulous, fabulous Asma El Badwi. Um, I don't know if you know the name. Um, she is the she is a basketball player. She's a spoken word artist. She's a theatre maker. She is uh, the sister that helped overturn the FIFA ban on hijabs being worn playing basketball. And she's Amazing. actually featured featured um, as yeah. um, this part of this Marvel project, and um, which was wonderful and really refreshing to see. Um, your thoughts on something like that where we're like a mainstream you know um hollywood project is actually embodying not just a muslim woman but somebody from bradford <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing i think i think we need to have more uh Hopefully, if we can continue in that direction, that's amazing. Um, and, and another story that kind of was uh, quite intriguing. I think you might find this of interest because of somebody in the fashion industry with your bridal boutique is the fact that a brand like Cause is now doing a hijab um, as part of their collection. Yeah. Um, so, uh, have you come across that story? No. I haven't. And how does it make you feel when you hear of, like, you know, big brands like, you know, Michael Kors or or sort of Gucci or Dolce & Gabbana taking on, like, you know, the hijab and including that as part of their fashion yeah. ranges? I mean, I think that, I think that is uh, terrific. Um, it, I, I think it just makes the Muslim communities, the hijabis, feel more included as well. Mm-hmm. You know, things have changed a lot since, uh, you know, since the last 10 years. We're a lot more included now with fashion. And um, I think they see the, the, the demand in the, with the hijabis. So, and it is a massive demand. It's a, it's a billion-making it industry, modest fashion is. Um, and yeah. to have this more, you know, to have the hijab more inclusive. And it's interesting because a lot of mainstream fashion is actually um, not necessarily suggesting that they're kind of bec- um, they're uh, reaching out to sort of like, you know, hijab-wearing sisters. But headscarves seems to be quite on trend at the moment on a lot of catwalks. I don't know mm. if you've if, if you've seen that, but it was. I have, I have, I've seen that. Um, was it Halima? I don't know the whole name, but I've seen quite a lot of them. They're being featured everywhere by Vogue, uh, Vogue everywhere, mm, which mm. is which I think is I think is really good because it just makes you feel not singled out. You feel right. more included. It's a, it's really cool, uh-huh. and I hope you know things continue in this direction. Inshallah, inshallah, and you know Sheffield is known for their new mayor, um, uh, and the new mayor. Uh, do you know the name of the new mayor in Sheffield at the moment? Majid. Majid. Yeah. So he's <laughs> kind of like totally blinging it out. How has the communities <laughs> of of Sheffield taken to their new mayor? I mean, I guess uh, I guess people are you know now accepting that there's more diversity. Mm-hmm. You know. We, it's it's nice to see people of different backgrounds and you know who have a chance as well to get into the profession. So I think people are taking it pretty well. Okay, a lot a lot who like him. Ah, uh-huh. and um, I want to ask you, what do you think to his dress sense? Because he he goes in <laughs> with his cap turned backward and his trainers and his gold blinging chain, the mayor's chain. <laughs> um, well, I guess I guess he's different. I guess. Uh, 
and I think that's what makes him him, isn't it? Uh, he's he's different and hopefully approachable as well. Have you had the pleasure of actually seeing him in person anywhere at an event? Have you been to an opening mm, of something? No, not yet. I've not. Okay. Um, Alicia, it's been super remarkable having you join us this morning. Tell us, just before you go, what is it the project that you're part of? What is it that you're aiming to do? Um, and how can people connect? Um, so we have this uh, the, we have this campaign with the workshop. They can connect by just logging on to Salam Charities and, you know, get, get booking a slot for yourself um, to help, you know, for the better good. Mashallah. Thank you so very much, uh, Alicia, for joining, in this, joining me this morning, not once, but twice uh, on the Urban Cube. It's an absolute pleasure having you join us all the way from Sheffield this morning, and I hope you have a wonderful day. You too, love. Take care. That was the wonderful uh, Alicia Sharif, who is a professional henna artist. She joined me this morning to talk about a very... Uh, interesting event which is all about making sure that um, it uh, raising awareness of the women um, in the Rohingya camps who've been impacted by so much so much trauma and it's kind of fundraising to help the community development projects in making sure that the women are um, now living uh, with a little bit more dignity giving them the funds to kind of make a difference in their lives and for the children um, that they have as well the project is called In Good Hands it's an introduction to the art of henna Um, Alicia Sharif is one of the henna artists, the professional henna artists, who is one of 12 professional henna artists who are actually doing workshops across the country, um, across these two days, to not also, not only raise awareness, but also educate and, and, intr- and kind of bring people um, provide them an introduction to henna artistry and it is also raising awareness as well now we have a workshop that's actually happening in the 6th of april in luton um, as part of this project inshallah so i'll um, hopefully maybe speak to the henna artist who's going to be doing that find out who she is if you'd like to get involved then it is um, salamcharity.org slash events this is uh, the organization the charity that's actually supporting this event um and it's kind of enabling you to learn the art art of henna, um, which I had the pleasure of listening to to Alicia and learning a little bit more about. She's using her cultural background. She's from uh, Amman and East Africa, so she's using that style in her henna artistry. Um, and you can actually follow uh, Alicia on Instagram as well. She's got she's got a very proactive social media pla- platform on Instagram. Um, and it's Sheffield underscore Henna. That's what she's called, mashallah. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, that's all happening across Luton. Now we also have the very fabulous um, Nabila Parker this morning talked to us about um, being a broadcast journalist and the ways in kind of getting in, getting yourself engaged with broadcast journalism. If you'd like to get further information, please do feel free to contact us. We're more than happy to connect with you um, and uh, to share further information about the 50-50 project, which is kind of making sure that there's more gender balance in news, news contribution, making sure that more 
more women are actually being specialists in and, and showcased in their specialism and contributing to the news. Um, do you think there is a gender bias? Is it more men than women on the news? Um, do we need to have it equal? That's a question I'm asking you in the last uh, couple of minutes of the show. Now, you can catch the show, um, as always, on uh, Spotify, Spotify and iTunes and the repeat this evening. I'm going to try and grab hold of the messages that uh, this morning, mashallah, um, you guys have been sending me. And for some reason, the internet is just like really, really slow this morning and things are not coming through. Um, I want to say thank you to um, Salma, who's actually messaging saying that, yes, she saw the pineapple on the internet and it has changed her life for the better. Thank you, Salma, for that message. Also, um, Usman has said that his mother is his role model. I am absolutely so chuffed to hear that. We're having so many mums as being the main role models. Um, and um, Lena Khan has said that, you know, it was very inspiring to hear um, Nabiha share her journey in um, journalism in the mainstream because she's always found it quite uh, an area that she has felt intimidated to enter. So it's really quite nice that Nabiha is making it so like easy and accessible. So thank you very much for all those messages, guys. And um, and keep tuned in to the show. Next week, I'm going to have another, another wonderful panel of guests uh, sharing their creative journey on the show. And also, I'd love you to get involved with all the conversations from me. Have an absolutely wonderful day. And maybe grab yourself a pineapple from me. Have a wonderful day. And assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.